0: Today's bonus episode of the ButteCast is brought to you by Park Street Liquors. If you're looking for it, Park Street Liquors has it. Stop by and see Tom and the crew today. They can assist with your corporate event or wedding by helping create and plan your wine and spirits menu. They can also point you to the finest whiskeys, regional spirits, or the latest RTDs. Park Street Liquors. Call 406-782-6278 or stop by at 133 West Park Street. Make your story legendary. Now... Let's get this thing started. To be from you, America, USA. Welcome to this bonus episode of the BuCast with Bill Foley. <laughs> Listen in as my dad reads his column, tap light. Woo-hoo! It's a column that might make you laugh and might make you cry. It even might make you mad, but it will always be from the heart. Amen. Now here's my dad. Bill Foley. Last week, I wrote a column about Jerry Seinfeld's joke about sports fans cheering for clothes. How can we get so worked up about teams full of players who don't even know we exist? A few days later, and I was fighting back tears because Tim Wakefield died of brain cancer. Wakefield was only 57, and he was my favorite pitcher of all time. There was hardly anything better than seeing those juiced-up batters try to hit Wakefield's knuckleball as it danced right past them. One thing that beat that, though, was watching how Wakefield conducted himself. He was the ultimate teammate who always put his team above himself. Wakefield's unselfishness in 2004 saved the Red Sox bullpen and made it possible for Boston to battle back from an 0-3 hole to beat the Yankees in the American League Championship Series. I never met Tim Wakefield, and he would have never known if I had died. Still, I can't help but feel like I lost a close friend, and I will forever be thankful that I got to watch that knuckler dance. Man, did it ever dance. That's what today's column is about. You can read it for yourself at buttecast.com. Tapper Light. Knuckleballer Tim Wakefield always put his team above himself. For some reason, I was thinking about Tim Wakefield on the night of Saturday, May 27, 1995. Earlier in the day, we played the first round of the Memorial Day tournament at the Highland View Golf Course, and we headed to the Scoop Bar for a night of fun. I must have heard something or saw something out of the corner of my eye to make me think of the knuckleball pitcher who wowed the baseball world during the 1992 playoffs. The Pittsburgh Pirates rookie former first baseman had his knuckler dancing as he won two games against the Atlanta Braves in the National League Championship Series. I had seen some knuckleball pitchers before, but Wakefield seemed different. That camera showed us clearly how that knuckler was dancing, and it seemed to defy gravity. It seemed like it would be easier for those juiced-up sluggers to catch a fly with chopsticks than it would be to hit Wakefield's knuckleball. Wakefield was so good in his Game 6 win that some baseball experts openly pushed for the Pirates to start him again in Game 7. They actually called for Wakefield to make back-to-back starts instead of throwing Doug Drabeck, who won the National League Cy Young Award two years earlier. Had manager Jim Leland listened, perhaps the Pirates would have gone to the World Series that year. The next year, Wakefield posted a 6-11 record and he did not pitch in the major leagues in 1994. It was like he fell off the face of the earth. Whatever happened to Tim Wakefield? I asked my group of friends. That was before we all had cell phones and the internet was something we only saw on occasion. Apparently, I missed the pitching lineups in that day's paper too. The Red Sox picked him up, my Irish friend Liam Maroney said. He was pitching in Pawtucket. That, I thought, sounded promising. I would love for my favorite team to have that knuckleball as a weapon if it ever did make the playoffs again. A few minutes after that, the Red Sox highlights against the California Angels came on SportsCenter. My jaw hit the bar as I saw that brand new Red Sox pitcher Tim Wakefield pitch seven solid innings as Boston beat the Angels 12-1. Wakefield had that knuckler dancing as he gave up one earned run in the win. I couldn't believe it, In a matter of about five minutes, I went from wondering where Wakefield was to finding out that he had regained his knuckleball and was using it for my favorite team. It almost seemed like a dream. Wakefield went 16-8 that season. He posted a 2.95 ERA and finished 3rd in Cy Young voting and 13th in MVP voting. He also helped lead the Red Sox to the American League East title. For the next 17 seasons, Wakefield was a fixture in the Boston Red Sox rotation. He posted a record of 186 and 168 in Boston. He was 210 and 180 overall with a 4.41 ERA. In 2004, Wakefield helped break the curse of the Bambino and gave the Red Sox their first World Series title since 1918. It is no stretch to say that the Red Sox would not have won the World Series without Wakefield. They probably would have been swept by the Yankees in the American League Championship Series. Wakefield was slated to start Game 4 of the ALCS in Boston. That was an assignment every pitcher dreams about it was one that no pitcher in his right mind would turn down. Wakefield was no ordinary player, though. He was as selfless as they come. With the Yankees teeing off on the Red Sox to the tune of a 19-8 win in Game 3, Wakefield volunteered to head to the bullpen. Wakefield was always wearing his spikes. So, Wakefield sacrificed his start the next day and gave the Red Sox three and a third innings of relief. He gave up five earned runs after the game was already all but over. The beating that Wakefield took saved the Boston bullpen, and the Red Sox came all the way back to beat the Yankees in seven games. Sure, we remember David Ortiz' walk-off hits, Kurt Schilling's bloody sock, Kevin Millar's bravado, and Derek Lowe starting Game 7 on two days rest. When I think of the great comeback, though, I think of Tim Wakefield's selflessness. Then, Wakefield got the start in Game 1 of the World Series in Fenway Park. It was not possible for me to be happier for a player I never met. In 2007, the Red Sox won the World Series again. And once again, Wakefield's selflessness played a role. The knuckleballer was hurting. He could have tried to pitch in the World Series, but he knew that the team would be better off if he didn't. So Wakefield pulled himself off the roster. As the team was celebrating the victory in Denver, Don Orsillo, then the Red Sox announcer for the New England Sports Network, interviewed Wakefield. That's when reliever Mike Timlin came up to interrupt. I'm gonna celebrate with my teammates and my wife and, uh, and have some fun celebrate with Mike temlin right now Go ahead, Tim. I just want to say one thing this guy right here this win is for this man right here because he was not on the roster and he showed so much heart by saying I, I, I can't be on the roster and it was good for the team this is what kind of person is standing right here I love this guy I'm proud of this guy it's the hardest thing. it's the hardest thing to do to take yourself out of the game for someone else. But he did it, and I'm proud of him. CC, back to you. Wakefield's eyes filled with tears as Timlin spoke. So too did the eyes of every Red Sox fan and every decent fan in the world. I was lucky enough to sit in the old rooftop seats on the third base side of Fenway Park in 1998 and watch Tim Wakefield's knuckleball dance. I was lucky enough to see him pitch a couple of more times in Seattle. One time in Seattle, I stood a matter of feet from Wakefield as he warmed up for his start in the bullpen. I wanted to say so much, but I stood in silence as I marveled at that knuckleball floating to catcher Doug Mirabelli. As much as I love watching Pedro Martinez, Tim Wakefield is without question my favorite pitcher of all time. He is one of my favorite baseball players of all time. He is one of my favorite athletes ever. Years ago, I remember thinking of celebrities and sports figures I wanted to talk to. No autographs or fawning. I just wanted to talk to them. That list used to include Walter Payton, Mike Royko, and George Carlin. With the passing of those legends, the list was down to Jim McMahon and Tim Wakefield. I would have loved to sit down with Wakefield and tell him how much I loved watching him pitch. I wanted to tell him how much I appreciated his selflessness that helped bring my team championships. But Wakefield died Sunday of brain cancer. He was only 57. His death came just a couple of days after Schilling, a Hall of Fame knucklehead, ignored Wakefield's privacy request and told the world the former pitcher was sick. Wakefield will be missed, even by the fans who never met him. In an era where bat flips, touchdown dances, and Deion Sanders are celebrated, Wakefield did things the right way. He always put his team above himself, and he should long be remembered as the ultimate teammate. And Jim Leland should have started him again in Game 7. Let's see.